what am I? What is this? What am I in this? You are a mother. A mother? Yes. Someone who prepares her son for the world. What does a mother do then? She dies. You go to sleep now. Have a nice dream. All we wanted was a home. <laughs> Silly mother. You are home. Pardon? I said, I'm not your fucking mother. Hello, club members. I'm Kate. And I'm Mariana. And welcome to another mind-melting, evolutionarily terrifying episode of the Nightlight Horror Movie Club. (laughs) Guys, I've been stressing this episode because I know how much Kate hates Vivarium. Wait, are you for real right now? (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) Wait, do I talk about this movie a lot? Kate hates it. I can't lie I tried to go around I tried to go with a bit and I didn't know what to say I like this movie damn it (laughs) me and Kate have been openly in love with this movie from day one and begging our patrons to to vote on what movie we'd cover it's not in our hands it's up to our gods slash club officers (laughs) slash patreons and it keeps going on the poll it keeps getting zero votes yeah and finally we're just like we're like please let us and And they're like like, if you'll stop whining Literally, someone was like, this is your Christmas if present. You'll sh- if you'll shut up about it, yeah. we'll, we'll vote for Vivarium. Stop designing polls around <laughs> the movie Vivarium. We're like, hidden gems poll. Hidden gems. Recent movies Really good poll. movies that you should probably watch and Alien. we should probably cover. <laughs> Sci-fi poll. At one point... I literally, I talked, I told Ariana this. I'm like, we should just post a poll and the options are Vivarium, Vivarium, and Vivarium. She actually said that. Yeah. And we I almost did. did it. We, almost. we were tempted. We're like, that's going to um, ruin the point. So thank you people. guys. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for like trusting us um, because I think it's going to be worth it. There's a lot of meat on this bone. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a long A lot of alien so. meat. Yum. <laughs> Spoiler alert. There's aliens. This is a science fiction horror movie. Yeah. It is on Netflix right now, although I don't think it was when I watched it. Um, but it's on Netflix now, so you guys should go watch it. And holy crap, you guys should go watch it. Because spoiler mm-hmm. warning, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. We are. Um, and I genuinely think this is something that you should go into blind. I mean, me and you both went into it blind, I think. I hadn't heard anything about this movie. I literally picked it because... It's Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. And it had a intriguing tagline, you know. Nick line. picked it because like, it's a sci-fi. Oh, really? So, yeah, if it's a sci-fi, it's it, that's his vote. And I was like, looks horrifying. Let's go. Let's I didn't know anything it. about it. Yeah. And Nick loves this movie as well, oh, and that's good. saying 
That doesn't Nothing surprise because, me at all. No, not at all. Anything sci-fi, he's like, I loved it. Yeah. And just to be clear, it is sci-fi, but it is also horror because it is psychological horror. Oh, no. It's just like regular horror. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have a few genres. Is now the time? Yeah, let's do it. All right. A few genres for the kind of horror that you guys are going to experience with us today. Parasite horror. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, I have a lot to say about parasites. Uh, specifically brood parasites we're gonna get there (laughs) mama studied evolutionary biology in college and that was kind of her shit so this is my (laughs) shit (laughs) so I have a lot of bird evolution to talk to you guys about it's some sinister shit got some bird science for you freaks (laughs) um evolutionary horror um adoption horror yeah I, I did horror birth control Horror birth control for sure. Parenthood um, horror. This the housing market these days horror. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. And and last but not least, I called it claustrophobia horror. Oh yeah, did you feel claustrophobic in this movie? Unbearably so. Like actually claustrophobic, or like metaphorically claustrophobic, or both. What's metaphorically claustrophobic? Like nothing's changing we're feeling trapped or is it like legitimately like everything was I felt like my breathing was more shallow like I felt like I was in a box kind of like this movie Mm. was upsetting for me to watch and Mm. This was another movie that I was like, yay, it won the poll. Shit, it won the poll. I have to go rewatch it. Yeah, you really said that. (laughs) You were like, ugh. I was like, it's Vivarium. We've been begging to do this. You're like, I love it. (laughs) I have been begging, but it is a miserable experience for me personally. Yes, this is like a true horror film for me. Wow. Not a big fan of children. Yeah. Annoying children. Like partner horror. Like, yeah, it's um yeah, it's hard to watch their relationship kind of deteriorate. For me this was uncanny valley horror. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Martin. Martin, Martin, Martin. Fucking Martin. Oh my god. So funny. Martin horror is what it actually is. You know, I like to try to relate movies to like movies I've seen in the past so I could be like, "Oh, this movie's like a mix of this and that and this." But it was really mm-hmm. hard for me to do that for this movie. But the best I could come up with was men. Yeah. Because of Uncanny Valley. Claustrophobia. Yeah. Feeling trapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Because. Yeah, there's some elements there. Yeah. And then obviously Invasion of the Body Snatchers for obvious reasons that we'll get to. Bodies getting snatched? <laughs> it's not what you think it is. It's not. Not what you think it is. Blonde final girl horror, which I know Kate loves. We were talking about this the other episode about how there's very few blonde final girls. And I was like, how many can you name? And Kate was like, Mm. ready or not. And that was (laughs) ready or not. And it it follows. And those are the only ones. But Um, now we got another. uh, What's that Christmas one? Better watch out. Oh, yeah, you're right. Better watch out. But yeah, typically they're brunette, and I'm not taking it personally. Um, It's fine. It's because blondes are whores, Kate. They are whores. It's true. But like my hair's brown now. I'm <laughs> I'm brown. I'm brunette for the winter. dishwater blonde hair. Fucking hate that shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have dirty old kitchen soup ladle hair. Like, that is thanks. like the worst. I can't believe that expression exists. You have mousy mouse shit blonde hair thanks man thanks cool Kate's love like it a love rabbit. that for me 
her hair changes color based on the seasons. Based on if I'm in the sunlight, which spoiler alert, I have not been. No, yeah. Not just not just because of the seasonal affective disorder, but also the flu. So if I sound a little gross, <laughs> Kate died. I died. She fully died last week. We're recording this a week late because yeah, Kate was actively trying to die. And I already decided I'm not going to edit out any coughs. So you guys are going to oh hear God. Kate I, cough. Now I have to cough. <laughs> God, why would you even Swallow say it that? Swallow it. I'm swallowing the cough. Swallowing it for the club because Do that's it. gross. Sorry if I sound nasty. <laughs> Did you know this episode was recommended by people? <gasps> not by us? No. What? Not just us? No, I didn't know they that. They probably recommended it for our sake, but... <laughs> people of taste and culture. I honestly don't remember which one... It was recommended for maybe the recent movies poll because this did come out. What year did this come out? 2020? It came out in 2020. Tech, well, kind of both. It came out. It premiered okay. at the film festival, the Cannes Film Festival, May 2019. But it didn't have a formal release until May 2020 in Ireland. And then it had like oh. the sad COVID release in America where it was like Ugh. available in select theaters for like a day and then same day on demand. And Netflix. Yeah. I think it was on Hulu initially. I don't know if it was on I Netflix. watched it on Shudder, I'm pretty sure. No, it oh. was Hulu. Yeah. Hulu, because I, I, all I have is Hulu and Max. So yeah. I wouldn't have watched it on Netflix. I think Hulu's got some good horror movies in my opinion. Yeah, they used to be pretty good at horror. I feel like they've kind of mm-hmm. lost their they've slacked a little bit yeah but they have like a couple years ago they were really good yeah I think I went into this because I was like okay it's a sci-fi so Nick will like it and it's a horror movie so I'll like it but it's Hulu so it's probably going to be something fun and it yeah. absolutely was yeah this is the definition of a hidden gem in my opinion I yes. feel like this is very underrated and I feel like not a lot of people know about it but no. it's a it's a such a fun movie, but I feel like it ticks all of my boxes and it ticks all of Kate's boxes. So it's I know this is in the middle of our Venn diagram. Yeah, this is the middle part of the Venn diagram for sure. We're not going to fight today, probably. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's disappointed. Everyone's like, damn it. No, but this was recommended by Kat Burleson and There Be Dragons, which is a great name. Yeah. You guys have great taste in movies and we'll keep you around. <laughs> They're like, we haven't seen it. We just recommended it for your sake. So you'd shut the we fuck up. We just want you it. to stop talking about it. <laughs> no, not for the next hour and a half. And then I'll still probably talk about it. Wait, can you give us like a little. I feel like we've like kind of tiptoed around what it is. Yeah. Do you have a teaser for us, Ariana? I do, but it's not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to help us. So this is my teaser. Mm. I don't know what's more uncanny valley, a humanoid child with an adult voice or Jesse Eisenberg attempting a macho character. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, you burnt. Spoiler alert. I have a big problem with Jesse Eisenberg in this movie. I'm sorry. It doesn't work for me either, oh, good. if I'm being honest. Good. And that's weird. I like Jesse Eisenberg as much as the next person. But I feel like he's kind of the same character at all times. 100%. No, I agree completely. When he came on the screen, I was like, you are the handyman here? Yeah. He, so he's like a handyman, kind of like a little bit, yeah, very masculine. Yeah. Even when they showed him as like the caretaker of this school, I'm like, I didn't buy it. Really? Yeah. Her? Okay. Versus like Imogen Poots, I'm like, oh my God. Crushed it. Beautiful. I- iconic casting. Yes, absolutely. You saw her in Black Christmas, right? I haven't seen Black Christmas. 
Wait, is she in the remake? Yeah, she's in the 2019. I haven't seen the 2019. I've only seen the 70s one and the one from the 2000s. The 2000s oh, shit, one is there's really There's another gross. remake? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Stop yeah, because people recommended, people recommended Black Christmas. And I was like, got it. The one from 05. And everyone's like, no. Jokes. The one from like the 70s that like <laughs> created this genre. But it's fine. And then the next Christmas, I was like, oops, I did the, I did the real one. But yeah, we should cover that one next one because you guys won't vote for Gremlins in my Christmas poll. So, oh, Gremlins would be great though. Yeah, Gremlins almost won, I think, this last time. I know. People recommended it in our last poll, so people, the people want to hear about. They want to hear about Gremlins, but not today. Not today, Ariana. Stop bringing up Gremlins, for God's sake. (laughs) Enough. You know me. There's only one other actor that I wanted to talk about because this is a very tightly. It's a tight cast. There's not much. here five people like if you really like squint and think about it yes yeah so I want to give credit like there's a little boy character that's very important to the plot but he's just like he's kind of just like a little Irish boy actor um so he's not anybody that you guys would know but Martin I was like Mm. Martin we'll get to we'll explain who Martin is he's important he's unique what has he been in besides this I like I recognized him, but then I like looked it up and I couldn't find anything that like really stood out to me. Right. Because he's such a specific character as Martin in this movie. It's like a very specific role. Um, I had to look it up, but I know him as Anderson in the Sherlock series, the BBC Sherlock. Um, He was in the forensics department. He like hates Sherlock for being a dick and, you know. He's just like a grumpy forensics guy. Oh, okay. Maybe I recognized him from this. <laughs> Maybe he burned into my brain. Maybe. And then I saw him again. I was like, oh my God, I've seen you somewhere. And it's like the same fucking movie. Which one am I going to lock my door because of? Martin. Martin, 100%. Absolute Martin horror. I can't handle him. <laughs> Martin horror. Every scene he's in, my eyes. I'm like, re- I'm like on in fight or flight. I'm like ready to run. Yeah, he's got a very this is mean but he's got a very uncanny valley face and so does the older version of the boy yes they both do they don't really like not if you look up pictures of them outside of this movie they're hot (laughs) they're totally normal looking yeah it's so it's like they do a good we can say that so I think that it's like intentionally casted and acted so that they're creepy yeah and it works so effectively except for Jesse Eisenberg who does not work in my opinion you know Mm -mm. Jesse Eisenberg is 40 years old what the fuck is going on doesn't that make you feel old yes it makes me feel i don't like that at all also this movie came out 10 years after zombieland and after social network and <gasps> this guy has aged zero years in the he meantime. looks exactly the he same looks exactly yeah. the same. he looks like he just stole facebook so yeah. <laughs> exactly he's just jesse being jesse same haircut yeah, he's like in his upper 30s in this movie, like the actor, and the actress is like in her upper 20s. So they got like a 10-year difference. Isn't that they crazy? They don't look it. I know. They look like the same age. If anything, she looks a little older. He does not age. What is the secret? You know why? <laughs> it's because he doesn't move his eyebrows. That must be it. It's like his own Botox. He keeps he keeps it very Zuckerberg, yeah. <laughs> yes. There. I don't. Th- I think I've seen him smile like twice. Bro, I know. Yeah. I don't know if he can do it. Well, the older boy, I recognized him from something, which I guarantee you, you have not seen this. But he uh, is definitely in, not. He's like some Irish child actor. He's in, yeah. Who's he's in a couple of Irish actor. He 
first of all, was only two years younger than the actress when they were filming this. But he's supposed to look like, yeah, he's supposed to look like a teenager or something. But anyway, he was on. He does. Yeah, a little bit. He could pull off a teenager. But I think the implication Mm -hmm. is supposed to be like a little older than that. I don't know. In this movie, anything goes when it comes to him. Anything goes. Um, No, but he was on a really good TV series on Hulu, I think, called Normal People. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's because it's not horror. (laughs) It's actually a drama romance, which I absolutely would never watch. But this series was the shit. Like, it was so addictive. Yeah, it's still on Hulu. It's fucking addictive. Characters are just so deep and complicated um and i think it's was uh uk um it was either filmed in ireland or hey that's him yeah it came out the same year as this movie too yeah and i think that the only has one season the girl that is the main character is in fresh too am i crazy (gasps) oh my god is that her daisy edgar jones hold on look her up yeah she's amazing in this hell yeah series that's that's a girl from fresh yeah mm-hmm. which we might be covering in our next poll yeah. stay tuned i'm going to talk about our upcoming poll very soon or our right. upcoming movie after yeah, we Vibarium. still don't know what we're gonna do you guys probably know but we don't know yet <laughs> we don't know yet we don't we're know. in the past we're yeah. in the time capsule <laughs> we have flu memory issues we don't know yeah. what's going on actually though Guys, I know I'm kind of tiptoeing around like what this movie is. Like we've like pretty much not said it. Um, And that's for a good reason. Because once we start talking about it, we're not going to be able to stop. And uh, you're going to need to keep up. And it's going to be spoiler, 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 spoiler. So we're going to talk just a little bit more about the movie first. How it got made. Not a lot. And then we're getting into it. Because I have a ton to say. Ooh, I can't wait, Kate. I have so much to say, and I have been fucking dying to talk to Ariana about this. That's another thing. If you guys don't vote for it, we can't talk about it. We can't talk about it in case you guys decide to vote for just it in later. Case. <laughs> yes. So we just like have been whole, like the restraint has just been. I'm so proud of us. But I got to let, I'm, I'm letting my hair down, girl. Yes. I'm ready. Well, tell me about like the making yeah, so it's interesting. So, because again, this is not a well-known movie. I didn't know anybody else who had seen. I was shocked that you had even heard of it. Hell yeah! Like no one else has seen it. Um, so I was like, why is that? So first of all, obviously, like it premiered in 2019, but it wasn't released until 2020, and it was like a COVID release, same day streaming kind of situation. Uh, and whenever you look up how it was produced, it's like a combination of Ireland, Denmark, and Belgium. It's like it was literally a co-production between three different countries, which is wow. wild. Yeah. Um. So like the director, his name is Lorcan Finnegan. He's Irish, obviously. Um, the screenplay is written by this guy called Garrett Shanley. And I, I don't know his nationality, but the story is both of them. And so both Shanley and Finnegan, you haven't heard of them. They don't even have their own wiki pages, but they do projects together and they oh. do them typically in Ireland, Denmark and Belgium, especially filming. So this movie was like filmed on location in Belgium and Ireland, yeah. um, which is very interesting. But then it was shot in an Irish studio. So that's why it had just like an Irish release before it mm-hmm. went to America and had its like tiny release. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird. So whenever, you know, I'm obsessed with like return on investment and how much movies made. And unfortunately, this is in like that COVID 
2020 hole where you'll never know the truth of it because of the yeah. streaming and on demand. But the budget, it was a small budget. This budget was only 4 million in euro. So only 4 million euro, which is quite low. Um, but it kind of it has a low budget feel. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I agree. I think that the setting is for the most part, like almost green screened. I don't know. It feels yeah. like that. It feels like the cat in the hat ride at Universal <laughs> is what this movie feels like. What does that it's even that mean? horror. Oh, girl, yes. have you not been? I'm taking Fever you. Fever dream. It's terrible. Well, like you're in a book, <laughs> but it, it everything's like not quite right because it's not a book, but it feels like a book and it looks like a book. Yeah, it's fever dreamy and dystopian and really upsetting. Disorienting, upsetting. Yeah. But I was trying to look at how much they made. And so I can only find, again, it was limited theatrical, very limited theatrical release and paid streaming. Uh, so I can only find about $434,000 no. that this made. I know. No. So I'm going to go, I'm going to hazard a guess that I don't think this was a financially or commercially successful movie. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me because we've never heard of anyone else who've seen this. No one else wants, yeah, no one else knows it. Yeah, you feel like a hipster when you're like, oh my God, Vivarium, this is amazing. Well, y'all gonna know it today. (laughs) It's a really mainstream horror if you think about it. I mean, it's like psychological, dystopian. Like, I feel like that hits a lot of people's marks. If it had a different leading actor. You think Jesse Eisenberg turned people off? I think that he was not big enough in 2019 to have the pull that this independent movie needed to oh, really? be commercially successful. I think so. He hasn't really done anything since this movie anyway. Like, I don't think he has. If he didn't have the pull then, I don't think he does now. Like, I think I can name like three movies that he's in. Like, me and Will were talking about it because I was trying to get Will to watch this movie with me. And I was like, Jesse Eisenberg. He's like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, he was in like The Social Network and like Zombieland and like that weird random movie about magicians called Now You See Me with Isla Fisher and Woody Harrelson that like we all forget about. Oh my God. Yeah. That's literally all I can name that he's been in. That's all I got too. That was all like 10 years ago. And he looked the same and he acted the same in every single one of those movies. I mean, he's always playing like a socially awkward, like nerdy character. And this, he's supposed to be the opposite of that. It's weird. It's so weird. I'm so glad you said that because that's like one of the biggest issues I have with this movie is Jesse Eisenberg like I mentioned it so I had to cut out how many times I mentioned it because it like bothered me so much but I agree I mean it's like from the moment he steps off the ladder he's wearing like a work belt and like an overcoat and I'm like this guy doesn't have the face personality build for his character it's like it takes me out of it immediately. Plus, he's American and everyone yes. else is fucking Irish. It's like, what? Yeah, why is he American? Why? Like, it's fine, but it's also like... like tr- No, like, try an accent. Yeah. Or, like, if you're going to get an American guy, you had so many other options, you know? <laughs> I know! We're a big country. Like... <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that people were, like, chomping at the bit for this role, honestly. Mm, yeah maybe for a director that doesn't have a wikipedia page that's filmed in three different places you're right you're right yeah i don't know guys i like this movie it doesn't sound like i do right now (laughs) we're just airing our jesse grievances which is weird because we love jesse in his own way 
but not here. Not here. He's I'll think. Miscast. I'm gonna think as we go through the movie of some other casting choices that I probably would have preferred. Ooh, yes. Um, that would be helpful. I'll think about it. But I, I think that the people need to know about this movie. I think that we don't. I don't want to spoil anything. I want to go in fresh and just talk about what happens. Are we ready to do that? Kind okay. of. <laughs> <laughs> so Ariana, I do want to warn you. Um, I have one giant chunk of things that I need to talk about. And it's the very first scene. <laughs> yes! Yes, yes, it is! Well, the opener of this movie is heavy in the symbolism right off the bat. And if you want to win me over in seconds, show me a nature animal metaphor in the opening credits. So Show her a baby bird dying <laughs> on the ground. Show, show me an animal fucking metaphor. And I'm here for it. You got one, girl. I think it's subtle enough in that people who have not seen yes. the movie see this and they're like, oh, that's just like a little creepy, disturbing thing. But after having seen the movie, it's then we're like, yeah. oh, fuck, this is cool. If you know what a brood parasite is, then you're already ahead of the group, I guess. <laughs> well, if you know what that is, then you're going to catch it in the first. You're going to yeah. understand the movie very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The movie opens. We meet Gemma, a pre-K or kindergarten teacher, whatever. She teaches kids that are really young. Um, mm -hmm. And this is played by Imogen Poots, which is a great name, by the way. I don't know if I said that. It's such a cool name. And she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She has a very unique face. I love her teeth. I think her teeth are, like, beautiful. She's got, like, a gorgeous smile. Yeah. Very unique smile. And carries this movie. And that's that's a fact. You're you're so right, honestly, because Jesse Carries Eisenberg's it. just doing Jesse Eisenberg doing things. the minimum, yeah, the bare minimum. Poor guy. Anyway, so then we meet <laughs> we meet her boyfriend Tom, who is a handyman played by big tough guy, salt of the earth Jesse Eisenberg. What the fuck? What the fuck? Gemma and Tom are in the market for a new home, and they aren't we all. <laughs> This is very relatable. This is some housing market horror. Right. Like for realsies. For real, yeah. They go to a um, like a real estate agent named Martin in this creepy little agency. And mm. Martin sort of tells him, oh, like we have this new development. Um, so he decides to lead them in like a caravan with their car to a neighborhood called Yonder. Yeah, Martin is off immediately. Yes, he's kind of, yeah, like a lot of red flags. He's like socially awkward, which is like not what you want from a real estate agent. No, not a good trait. He's like stare. He's like staring like unblinkingly at them. He gets creepier. He gets progressively creepier, but they're able to like, he's like able to convince them like to go see this development, even though they're like, where is it? And he's like, it's not too far, but it's not too close. And it's like, bro, they're looking for a house. Like, they're going to buy a house. I need to house. know Tell me an where address. It is. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, eh, don't worry about it. And they're like, Do okay. You think, so this is, an, this is another uh, type of horror where it's like being polite gets you in You're bad right. places. You're right. Horror, because they are uncomfortable too. But they're yeah. like let's just do it like it's getting late but like we'll just go check it out like and they're kind of like turned off in the office because it the description is very like this like utopian um how do you describe how they pitch it 
They pitch it as like a... You, there's everything you need. Everything you need. It's, it's perfect. Really, yeah. You'll love the neighbors. Yeah, haven't heard of it somehow, but yeah. it's somewhere... Yonder. Over there. Yonder. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I got, I went to go buy a car the other day because my old girl is like literally coughing up <laughs> her transmission trying to accelerate on the interstate. Slowly dying. Yeah, she's slowly dying. It's fine. But I went to go buy a car and the person selling it freaked me out because they were like trying to pitch like add-ons and stuff. And I literally just left. Well, yeah, I feel like if they're too overbearing, you're like deuces. They were... I had bought the car. I was like, that one, okay, this is my car. I had I, w- I had already signed a little bit of paperwork. And then they were like, okay. They kind of made me nervous. And I was like, I can't do this. And I literally walked out of the building. Yeah, they were like too pushy or Like whatever. with the managers coming after me. Yeah, I was like, no, I just, I'm, I've had enough. I'm overstimulated <laughs> and I'm leaving. And, and I don't have a car. So I don't think I would have done this. Do you think you would have done this? No, I feel like a big part of like, where you're looking for a house and where you're going to live is where it's located. And they ask him that and he doesn't give them a direct answer. And I would have been like, no. Okay, but where? <laughs> I'd be like, all right, weirdo. I'm going to go find a house on this planet. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Jesse Eisenberg's like, the fuck? But you can tell that that Gemma's like, let's just see it anyway. Like, she's the one who's just kind of like, okay. like she's She's a chill gal. Yeah. She's like, let's just go see it. Let's find out. I don't even think she's like being super polite. I mean, she is polite, but I think that she's just like chill. I think that they're desperate for anything because there is like a scene right before this where she's like talking Word. to her friend and she's like, she's like, oh my God, we just like have been having such bad luck. Like I'm going to this weird little agency. Like I'm not <laughs> expecting anything, but you know, maybe we'll get lucky or whatever. So you can tell she's they've been trying for a while to find a place together and she's like desperate. So she's like, whatever, let's just go fucking uh-huh. see it. And Tom's like, okay. <laughs> Reasonably priced. Yeah. Maybe that actually might work on me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Kate's like, yeah. in this economy. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the key is to not buy a house. <laughs> Sounds affordable. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a huge suburban development of identical. How would you describe the color? It's like seafoam green. Horrific, ugly green. It's like, like a mint. It's like, yeah, it's foam like mint, green. mint green houses from your nightmares. As far as the eye can see, it looks kind of like the beginning of like the Lorax or something like that, like yeah. a like a like a Whoville situation, but more crowded and completely silent. Yeah, there's zero people around. That's a red flag. No guess, one's out there. Yeah, it's really weird. My question is, why is every like dystopian, futuristic, like idealistic neighborhood. Why is it always mimicking the 60s? I think that's the easiest thing to do to go for like a suburban metaphor. Yeah, because I feel like Americans have like a love-hate relationship with like that time frame. The 60s and the 50s was all like nuclear family, moms making a casserole, like dad's cutting the grass right the kid the two children are playing battleship it's like the you know what i mean of like what the american quote idealism was before things changed i think it's like american propaganda yeah it's like the peak of like when people were probably the least and by people i mean women 
<laughs> people were the oh, God. least happy. Like this idea that it was being sold to us. They had us on meth. You know that, right? In the 50s and 60s, all, first of all, go look up those ads. Ariana, I almost sent you coffee ads from the 50s because they crack me up. And from the 20s, I think they're hilarious. But then I was like, she's not going to think it's funny. So I didn't send it to you. <laughs> but if you guys want to go look up what it was like in the 50s and 60s, Please go on YouTube and look up coffee ads. Bro, yeah. And it, wasn't there Coke in Coca-Cola? Like, Oh, um, that was a th- I think that was a little earlier. Uh, but the 50s was, was all about like moms making a casserole yeah. in the microwave. Bob and Shirley are going to the, the bebop, whatever, at the drive-in. Dad's not talking to anybody. <laughs> Dad's drinking a beer and watching TV because he worked all day and he's yep. tired. And mom's doing the dishes yeah. on meth. <laughs> I'm so sorry. On pep pills to keep her skinny. Pep pills. Yes. What happened mm-hmm. to pep That's- pills? Bring back pep pills. Bring them back, girl. <laughs> I need a little pep in my yeah. step. No, but like Edward Scissorhands, Stepford Wives. That's a big one, too, which I don't know if you've seen. Of course I have. How dare you? I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. And Pleasantville. It makes me think of Pleasantville. Yep. It's like that in this movie, only there's nobody fucking there. There's zero people there. Have you seen Don't Worry, Darling yet? Um, I had to stop. Why? Because I the best hated part. it. No, the ending's the best part. Uh, Kate. The acting is the worst part. So I had to stop. I love Harry Styles as a person. Oh, his acting. Okay, but like how much better would it have been with Shia LaBeouf? I can't. I don't know that that would have worked. You know what? That's because you didn't see the ending, so you can't comment on it. <laughs> yeah. So I saw Chris Pine doing real acting and Florence Pugh doing real acting, and then Harry Styles just... I love Harry Styles. He's so hot. I like him as an artist. I don't know that I liked him. In... I had to literally stop that movie, and no offense to anybody that likes it. Maybe if I tried it on a different day, it would be good, but don't worry, darling. I was like, this is stupid as shit. That would have been one of my favorite movies if Shia LaBeouf was Harry Styles I think that's because that's just a Shia LaBeouf thing that doesn't it is but it's about also the movie. it's also because you find out at the end like all these things about that character and you're like your mind explodes right. and you're like Shia LaBeouf could have been this and it would have been amazing I don't know <laughs> Ariana's got a hard bias about Shia LaBeouf Poor Shia I love LaBeouf. how he went from we're it's, talking about the 60s it's to always Shia going LaBeouf. back to Shia LaBeouf that's Ariana is just veering that turning that steering wheel back into buff land <laughs> It's okay. We'll watch it when you come visit. That's, oh my God. Yes. Absolutely. And we'll pretend it's Shia LaBeouf. You're going to hate it, but let's. Okay. Yeah. We'll watch mm-hmm. it. Anyway. So uh, they go to this creepy fucking development. Every single house is green and they are shown this house number nine and Martin is creepy as fuck. And that's a real estate agent. Yeah. He's got like uncanny valley for days. He's offering them like champagne and strawberries and they decline because they're like feeling weird. And then he asks if they have children and Gemma says, no, not yet. And that's what he mimics. He says, no, not yet. (gasps) And then claps and then like smiles weird, and then like walks away. That's (laughs) when it's a horror movie. You know what I mean? That's when you're like, oh, we in it now, bro. If someone did that oh, to me. Oh, we have made a grave error. <laughs> I would have been like, the fuck? I would be ready to fight someone. <laughs> I would assume that they were like, Awkward. like had a condition. Yeah. But I wouldn't hang around to find out if that condition was murder or not. You know, I, that's that's about enough of that. That's I've had just about enough. The cherry on top of an awkward 
an entirely awkward situation from moment one I'm leaving no and that's the thing like even as a as a like a a viewer you're watching this whole thing happen them agreeing to go to this creepy agency them agreeing to follow the agent to this creepy development them agreeing to go into the development and you're just like stop 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 like whenever you're you get that feeling Mm. the this isn't safe feeling like you get that watching this movie and you know the characters are too but they're just british and polite polite well that's the thing too it's like knowing the ending of this movie maybe it was like all a test to see like how much you would comply with this situation i think martin despite his flaws and creepiness is probably very successful at what he does really yes the whole time i was like why don't they get a better fucking real estate agent? They would. I know exactly get a why. Lot more people. I know exactly why. Why? But not yet. Tell me. Not yet. Okay. Remind me to ask you this at the end because I don't understand. Oh, I will. Okay. So. And this is all my theory. So. Oh, interesting. I'm excited. So mm-hmm. Martin's like, let me show you the backyard. And then as they're like exploring the garden, he just like straight up leaves and they Rude. go up front and they're like, his fucking car's gone. And he just like left. And they're like, okay. So they get in their car to leave and they find that they have no idea how to exit the neighborhood. The houses look identical on every street. They Scary. check their phones and they find they don't have service, which I'm like, I would have noticed this hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, why the fuck am I moving to a development that does not have service? She's like, my TikTok's not working. Yeah. Let's go. I'd be like in the car on TikTok. No. <laughs> but for real, I'd probably use my GPS to like figure out where, I don't know. Well, they follow him, right? He doesn't right, say an address and they follow him. Like, you can't use a GPS. You didn't get an address. I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like get a fucking address. You well, know? they What if didn't. you get separated? What if the red light changes and now you're stuck at a red light and you're fucked? What? Then I think you're very lucky. <laughs> yeah, I guess you. Uh, yeah, you lucked lucky. out. Yeah, you really did. So they're just like driving around for hours until their car runs out of gas and it gets dark and they find themselves back at house number nine. And they're like, how the fuck? They keep making turns, right turns, left turns. They're fighting over how to get out yeah. of this like massive development and it's just back to house nine back to house nine everywhere they turn they look and it in house nine is there yeah Yeah. and they know it's their house nine too because they like maybe left the door open like an inch they left the door ajar so Mm -hmm. if you're thinking oh it might be a different house no they left the door open (laughs) it's the same house nope that's theirs (laughs) so they're like well they decide to sleep in the house because they're like they don't have it's another choice. Dark yeah, and no one's around. And how scary! That's the point that I would start accepting like something supernatural. You know what I mean? Like that something point, really. Mm-hmm. At the point that I can't get out of where I am, and I'm back where <laughs> Kate's ready to accept the supernatural. Yeah, at a moment's She's notice. Like, give, me, give me one reason. Give me one reason. I'm like, mm, smells like aliens Can't in get here. get stuck in a neighborhood tomorrow. And she's like, ah, I've obviously been abducted. <laughs> I've been abducted a lot. Just b- been from my driving record. So many yeah. times. <laughs> in many, many subdivisions. No, but I think I'd be like pissed more than anything. I'd be like fully pissed. At this point, you would be angry. Oh, I'd be pissed. Yeah. 
I would have accepted my fate, I think. And they were saying that the silence is something they've never heard before because there's like no one around. There are no insects. There are no grasshoppers. Oh, you're right. Like, where are the insects? Where are the birds? Birds? Where are the birds? (laughs) They're in the metaphor that we'll talk about later. (laughs) Where are the birds? No. But there are no animals. And then, like, if you look up at the clouds before the sun goes down, the clouds look... Like the wallpaper from Toy Story. Yes, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they're like, like pink and perfectly cloud-shaped. They're perfectly, they're all perfectly cloud-shaped. They're cloud-shaped clouds, and it's not cool. Mm, we don't like it. Yeah, Um. I think the clouds would have done it for me. I would have been like, am I dreaming? Did someone drug me? That would be what I would think. I'm imagining this situation, but with me and you. You're Tom, I think. I don't know what I would have done. I think you would have been a better casting <laughs> for Tom. I'm Tom and you're the blonde final girl Mm -hmm. yeah I think that tracks I think for sure based on what's coming I think that tracks based on everything that happens yeah I see us in this it would have been absolute chaos um uh you think except I would have I would have definitely I think we would have left after he mimicked me or you I would have been like you're an asshole we're leaving this is fucking weird I really I don't think I would have gone to the house so let's pretend that you know we're more polite than we are. We've seen enough to know that being polite is never the way to go. We don't want to be polite. No. I take every opportunity I can to be impolite. <laughs> yeah, that's the Philly in you, girlfriend. That's the, that's, I'm like, please give me a reason to be impolite to you. But anyway, so uh, they wake up the next day and Tom is like so smart. He's like, oh my God, I have a ladder on my car because he's a handyman and he uses it to climb to the roof to see if they can like find the exit to the development. Smart. And what he sees is just like this vast, never ending thousands, thousands of houses, artificial clouds. And he's like a little panicked, but he doesn't like panic Gemma so he just goes you know what we're gonna follow the sun that way we can't end up back where we started which is so smart it's a good idea yeah you know we love when these people are smart not panic not panic logical we love it so they're going through the yards like hopping fences hopping fences which is exhausting exhausting but the good news is every house is exactly the same and every yard has a little plastic chair so they go They hop a fence, they go to the next yard, they grab a plastic chair, put it up to the fence, hop that fence, grab another plastic chair, and they do that all fucking day. All day. All day. Like, till the sun is going down. So the sun is going down, and it's dusk, and they find a house with a light on, and they're like, fuck yeah. And Uh they discover that the house with the light on is number nine. That's their house. So they're back where they started. This is when I start to panic. Well, at this point, you're like, okay, this is some kind of simulation. Like, this isn't real. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I think me and you would be like, okay, like, we're in the Matrix. We would have accepted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We would have been like, we can't play by the normal rules. Yeah. Yes. Got it. (laughs) Okay. We're going to have to do some fucked up shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not real. I would have stopped jumping fences probably after, let's (laughs) be honest, three fences. (laughs) Well, like, I'm tired. My thing is, like, you know, it probably takes you, what, like a half an hour to walk a mile. These developments can't be more than, you know, if you're walking all day, what is that, like 16 miles, really? 
if it never ends it never ends so they come up to their house and they find a box of tasteless vacuum-packed food and toiletries in front of the house and Tom's like what the fuck and he tears open the cardboard box and then uses the cardboard to light the house on fire in an attempt to send a smoke signal which is so fucking smart I love that we're so smart yes and they sit there and they watch the house burn down and they fall asleep on the pavement waiting for help and it it burns down it burns fully down yeah yeah so then they wake up on the pavement the next day and they find in front of them another cardboard box and they open the box and they find a baby boy inside oh, no. with the message raise the child and be released and then the smoke clears and they discover that their house is still there and undamaged like what do you do at this point I would have been crying the whole time so you can't cry that doesn't help it's not to help Kate that doesn't help anything it's to moisten my eyeballs with my feelings Kate would be crying and I'd be like shaking her like snap out of it you would do like the comical like slap across the that's face. exactly what I was thinking we're mothers now <laughs> we're mothers oh my god nightmare <laughs> Would you be mama, mommy? How would we? You'd be daddy. I don't know why I'm. I'm obviously I know. daddy. I know. God. I know. I know. I, it was a mistake. Okay. Fuck? So you, all right, we have a cardboard son. Cardboard box son. <laughs> we have a cardboard son. Okay. He's a regular child. Like he's a regular infant. <laughs> so he he's looks like a baby. In a box. Yeah. He's in a box. He was delivered in he's a box. He's just like a human baby. Yeah. I would be mommy and you would be daddy. Obviously. Okay. All right. Well, we're two months. We're three months in. It's 98 days yep. later. 98 days at house number nine. Yeah. So the baby is now the size of like a 10-year-old boyish, but he has like gross an adult voice, which I think is an amazing choice. Hate it. Love it. It is. It's such a choice because it makes him so clearly alien. Yeah. Like, you know it because it's been three months and he's aged 10 years, but... This boy, something is so fucking wrong with him. And that's important because it's a flash forward. So we don't get to see like what has happened in the last three months. And they're not being super nice to this kid. No, so, like, yeah, they you don't see treat him innocent, like a real kid. Yeah. No, you see this innocent, ba- quote unquote, innocent baby in a cardboard box. And then flash forward to this fucking freak of nature. Yeah. With a deep human male voice that was like me as a child I had like an adult woman voice as like a four-year-old did you really yeah my voice was like really deep and raspy oh my god that's so funny like the whole time yeah there's like baby videos where I'm like I want my bottle yeah basically see my voice never dropped so I'm still up here (laughs) yeah oh man I love it because it it really takes away your sympathy for the kid it makes him it's very clear like that's not a makes kid it scarier yeah yeah I like it not a, a not a regular kid at least it's a kid but something something ain't right I think if he had a normal kid voice we would all be watching it like oh that kid's fucking annoying and you'd like forget that he's like an alien I would have sympathy for him yeah exactly it's what I mean it takes away the sympathy if he had a sweet voice but he has like an adult man it's creepy but anyway so this baby, he grows super fast, a la yeah. Renesme. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, if you know your coals. Yeah. Kate's like, shut the fuck up about Twilight. Ariana, I haven't even seen. I've only seen the first Twilight. Kate, and I know exactly who Renesme is. so great because you know what? That's Uncanny Valley too. 
I'm going to actually change my answer from men, Rosemary's Baby, and You're Body Snatchers. I'm going to add Got in it. Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just text Kate like a gif of the Renesmee baby. I love it. It's just Should we? so bad. Let, let's explain it. So let's explain Renesmee. Everyone just, like, knows what fast. we're talking. Kate, everyone knows. No, I don't think everyone does because I only know it because of you. Every single person knows. It's the most like the biggest failure of CGI puppetry that's ever existed. Y'all should look up Renesmee. It ties in, surprisingly, to Vivarium. It's exactly what this is. This whole time I was like, I haven't seen a movie like this. Yes, I have. Yes, we have. (laughs) Okay. So uh, this kid, he just mimics Tom and Gemma all day and like screams when he wants food and he calls Gemma mother and she continues to insist that she's not his mother. Not like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And they're like exhausted. They're they're not engaging with this fucking weird kid. They're just like going yeah. about their day, trying they to like, like ignore him, make it to the next day. And then when he screams, they like do whatever he needs as fast as possible and like continue to ignore him. Get him his cereal quicker. Yeah, because whenever he doesn't get what he wants, he screams. Well, loudly. he's when he's hungry. Yeah, Ooh. when he's hungry, he screams. So then Gemma and Tom, they're waiting in the front yard with a pickaxe. Thank God they brought that. I know, right? They have like a trunk full of weapons. They were like, hey, I'm a gardener. That will be important later. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, they have a ladder. Mm -hmm. I'm a handyman with tools. Anyway, let's go (laughs) check out this settlement. But my question is, so like they are outside. They're planning to attack whoever like delivers them their food in boxes and whatever. But like, how has it taken you three months to come up with this plan? Wouldn't that be like the first thing you would think of, Kate? Maybe they were doing all sorts of different hijinks and we just didn't see it as the infant. Or maybe they were kinder to the infant when it was an infant and they were actually taking care of it. And then it talks and it started mimicking them in an adult voice. Oh my God. Can you imagine a toddler? Oh my God. Punt it into the sun. (laughs) Punt it into the fake clouds above. Yeet Yeet that shit. That creepy little shit. Yeet Renesmee into the fucking sun. Across... The development. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. So they're like Mm-mm. sitting outside having family time in their family time. garden. <laughs> and Tom's like smoking they're a cigarette. Relaxing. Wait, so yeah, he, he still has cigarettes also. Later, like, are the aliens giving him more cigarettes? Or is he like parceling them out? Or there's no way. Three months. Dude, I know. Or are the aliens like feeding into his addiction? Or are they like fuck your addiction or are they like trying to give him cigarettes so he gets lung cancer these are things i need to know where the fuck are you getting all these cigarettes but anyway the cigarettes are important we'll get there but yeah but dad's hoover and dad hoover's a cigarette and then he like flicks the butt at the boy and then it like hits the boy and like lands on the ground and then it like burns this small hole in like the pseudo grass that's there in the yeah the fake grass yeah. and then he discovers there's like this weird dirt underneath the astroturf and that he's actually able to like dig into this weird dirt and then he's like fuck and he like uses his pickaxe and shovel that he had in his car to like commit i knew i had these for a he's reason like, yes yeah. <laughs> exactly he starts committing his like full days to like digging this giant hole in his yard which i'm like again did it take you three months to figure this out He's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm a dig like I ain't never dug before. And this is my purpose now. It's something. He uses the digging to like satisfy his need to 
do something constructive. Something. Yeah. He can't stand that kid. And at least like Gemma will talk to it. I think that a big part of like Gemma's backstory plays a role, right? Because she's like a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. She knows how to like communicate with children, like take care of children. Like that's what she does for a job. So I think she's just like, it's easier for her. I don't think she likes it, but she definitely does communicate with the kid a little bit more than Tom. Tom's like, fuck this. A lot more. I'll be outside. He doesn't talk to that kid. Yeah. So like Tom's in this hole and he starts to hear like this weird noise coming from the bottom of the hole. And he's like, working tirelessly to like dig deeper and deeper and he starts sleeping in the hole and he starts to have this weird cough and we're like is he smoking so much he has lung cancer is he like sleeping in the hole and inhaling alien dirt that's what we we just get like a whisper of a cough we're like okay like he's coughing that's gonna turn into something Mm, a problem meanwhile the boy thing is getting older and like weirder and he starts watching these like black and white fractal swirls on tv for hours and it's like kind of like brainwashy ish but it's like also the alien language like who knows and one of the days like tom loses his patience and decides to like lock this alien boy in the car in order to starve it. And he thinks that yeah. if something comes for it, they could like force whatever comes for it to free them. Yeah. Why did you guys not do this already? Because before now, <laughs> it was a cute little baby. And that's hard to do. Except. With a little baby. I would convince myself that the clouds aren't real. The grass isn't real. This space is obviously not real. I would be like, is this kid even real? If I kill this kid, is it even really a kid? I don't know. I don't think I would have stopped you taking that pickaxe and putting it in the perceivably human child's brain. Um, this bitch has an adult-ass voice. He ain't a kid. So you wouldn't you wouldn't have done it right away is what you're saying. I probably would have done it right away. You know, you know how easy it is to kill a baby? <laughs> you just don't help it. Just neglect that shit. You don't have to oh. actively kill it. I don't think I could. Why? It's not real. Because it looks it looks like a baby. Who cares? And my <laughs> that part of my brain is like you have to take care of that. When it got to the point that it's talking funny and acting funny, put it in the car. <laughs> Kate's like, once I hear its voice, we're done. Gross. But like when it can't talk yet and it's like a cute little child. That baby was cute. And I'm not one to think babies are cute. But it's just like little chubby, little Who Michelin baby. <laughs> it's cute. Who are you, I'm Kate? like, they they knew. They knew they picked a cute baby to put in that little box so that it wouldn't immediately be killed. And it's just little cute baby. I don't know who you are anymore, Kate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used I used used to be into murdering <laughs> children, but these days, these days I don't even. Know. I've never in my life heard you say a baby was cute ever. This one's kind of cute. It's kind of chubby and cute. It's got these little chubby legs. It's not, guys, it's not like an infant. It's not like a little alien that just like came out of someone. It's like a little cute, chubby, like two-month-old, quiet. For now. Little roly-poly baby. For now. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end. We'll talk about it. All right. Back to shoving the child in the car. So the kid's in the car. Gemma takes pity on this boy and like releases it from the car. And she's like, no. She pulls a Kate move. No, nah, I wouldn't have done that. I would have gone inside and looked at what was on TV, which is fractal. <laughs> Watch apparently. fractal TV. 
I'm like, mmm, yum. Fractals and flavorless eggs. Oh, God. Yeah. What a day I'm having. Can't hear the screams from the car. Yeah. Anyway, so the next day, the boy goes missing. And he returns with a <gasps> book of these weird hieroglyphics. And I'm like... I told you guys the aliens yeah. visited the Egyptians, but no one listened to me. Nick is listening at all times. He sends me so many TikToks about Egyptians. I love it. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's because I told him to stop sending me those TikToks. <laughs> He's like, I know who will love these. If you're like a did the aliens build the pyramids kind of person, go watch Vivarium. Go watch Vivarium and also listen to my ramblings on our mini episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, go listen to that. Yeah, the alien episode. So, like, it's not actually hieroglyphics, though. It's the Thebian alphabet, which I've told you guys about before in our episode. I think it was the ritual, maybe. Wait, what alphabet? The Thebian alphabet. It's like the language that, like, Wiccans use, and it's, like, used a lot in horror movies when they need, like, a creepy language alternative. You know how they like do like oh. little fairy symbols? Like and- Necromicon yeah. kind of. Yeah. Anyway, it's called a Thebian the alphabet. Thebian yeah. alphabet. alphabet. Okay. So anyway, this book has like weird symbols and like black and white fractal imagery and also like these pictures of like humanoid things with these giant throat sacks. Um, and by throat sacks, I mean like these two. Like a frog? Like, like an anole lizard. looking things that are probably like what like the size of like I don't know like a cantaloupe yeah under your jaw kind of where your thyroid is you know like whenever lizards do that little thing and they're like yoohoo mates and their like neck puffs out Mm -hmm. it's like that only way worse real veiny only bad only disgusting and gross and (laughs) terrifying yeah Gemma sees this and she wants to like figure shit out so she wants to play a game with the kid because she's smart because she's like a primary school teacher so she like knows how to communicate with kids and she's like let's play a game and during the game she asks it to mimic the person who gave her the book and the boy just like gets really hunched and he starts like making this raspy scream sound and then inflates his huge throat sacks and she's like what the fuck oh my god is it yeah and dad's out there just fucking digging, digging into the hole a little bit more. Yeah. He's like, knew it from the start. Some may right. I'm just digging the hole and sleeping in the yeah. hole and having a little He's like cough. mentally checked out, basically. He is absolutely checked out, which sucks for Her. like Gemma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Who's stuck trying to like figure the fuck out what, what everything. Yeah, he's definitely lost his mind. Because he's in his own world. Yeah. So cut to weeks in the future, if not months. We don't know. Um, The boy has now matured into like this young adult, late teenager, early 20s guy. And Tom. He's like six feet tall. And Tom is like progressively more sick. And he's like coughing like almost constantly. And he seems short of breath. And he has like these weird black Mm. lesions on the skin of his back. And like Gemma's having to take care of him and make him dinner and help him shower. But this guy is still trying to dig. He won't stop. Yes, he won't stop digging. Very stupid. stupid. But like, what else do you have to live for? You know what I mean? You wake up, you eat the flavorless eggs. I don't know, but you're... You greet your alien son. You're not getting anywhere with that. Like, you're dying. What else do you have to do? Um, Make space in your brain for 
brainstorms instead of doing stupid shit. (laughs) So this boy is like leaving every day with his book and Gemma tries to follow him to see where he goes, but like always finds herself back at the house, number nine. And meanwhile, Tom finds a corpse in a body bag in the hole and freaks the fuck out. Yeah, I would too. There's no scene where he tells Gemma that he found a body, which I'm like, wouldn't you tell this person or would you just keep it on the DL because you're dying and it doesn't matter? I would tell for sure. Because if that that maybe could get you out, if that's a clue. It's weird. That's what makes me upset about Tom is he disconnects himself from Gemma entirely and leaves the boy up to Gemma, which is not fair. And but she also did save it. He was like, let's fucking kill it. And she was like, nah. She, so I guess yeah. it's kind of her problem now. That's a fair point. <laughs> That's honestly a fair point. Yeah. He was like, I want it to be yeah. dead. He wanted to kill it while it was little. Now it's like seven feet now tall. It's a full creepy ass adult. Yeah. It's really. What are you really going to do? Creepy. Yeah. You can't you can't throw it in a car now. It's big. Yeah. yeah. And she regrets it, too. And has allies. Yeah. She says like. She does. You know, I should have let you kill it when it was little and it's like yeah bitch probably yeah we know so the boy gets back that night and Gemma pleads him to help them find medicine for Tom who's getting progressively sicker and he just like Mm -hmm. offhandedly goes yeah maybe it's time he was released and we're all like what (laughs) we're like what do you mean and then the boy goes into the house and he Locks them out of the house. I like your tone. He's like, yeah, he just like doesn't let them in the house that night and they have to like sleep in the car. And then the next day, Tom is like slowly dying as Awful. he and Gemma reminisce about the day they met, which is pretty cute. And yeah, it's sad. They have like a Rose and Jack moment when <laughs> yeah, yeah <they laughs> Tom do. just like stops responding and like is dead. And the boy gets home. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my like, let's God. Let's pause and process emotion. <laughs> let's pause and have some empathy. <laughs> so I cannot imagine. Like, if you're Tom and I'm Gemma, you're the only thing I'm holding on to. You're the only reason I haven't gotten But insane. also she knows he's dying. Re- so, yeah. That's not the... She's probably a little bit mentally prepared, I would say. That's why you're Tom and I'm Gemma. <laughs> Because I feel when you're dead <laughs> and I don't want it to happen. Um, Yeah. It's pretty hard to watch. She's a great actress. She's extremely upset. She carries the movie. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I'm like with her the whole time. I know time. you are, Kate. I, I really am like your partner in this life is dead, who you love and who you loved way before any of this shit happened. But beyond that, this was your survivor partner And now you have no one. You have this child who has grown up and is massive, bigger than you. You got nothing. You're done. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Like you're done. Yeah, it's it's fucking sad. She's really upset, and the (laughs) she doesn't like like it. it. And like the kid comes (laughs) home and he has like a box, and she's like, she's like confused. She's like, what's in the box? And yeah, and he opens it up and it's a body bag for Tom. How horrible. And she just like looks at him in like horror and cries and she has this great face. And then the kid like her face is imitates good. her face. Oh, my God. 
You know what this scene made me think of? What? Silence of the Lambs. When Buffalo Bill is looking down and he has his captive and she's like, please, mister. I don't want to die. And he's like, oh, that's that's it. But, and you imme- you immediately register. You're like, oh, he is not. You're not going to get anything from him. Yeah, he's like making fun of you almost. Nothing. Yeah. He, it's going to get worse. Yeah. yeah. It was really fucked. Yeah. So then she's just like dies inside and he zips Tom. Kate dies inside. <laughs> Kate's dying inside. I didn't even like Tom, okay? <laughs> but at least we had him. You know right. what I mean? We had, we had somebody. somebody. Well, Tom then is zipped into this body bag and like thrown into this holy's dug. It's like a it's like those fresh seal vacuum pack bags. And so it like suctions all the air out of it. So he's just like a dehydrated piece of jerky mm-hmm. and then yeets him into his own. <laughs> That's so savage. Hole. It's kind of great though. On top of the corpse that he has discovered. Yeah, it's like this is the body hole. They're like, thanks for digging it. Yeah. I'm like, what would you have done if he wasn't digging this hole? Like, would you have had to dig it? Or I don't I don't know that he would have had this cough. I don't right. know. That any... But then they say he's re- maybe he should be released, which means suction him Killed. into this vacuum yeah. pack and sh- shove him in yeah, the hole. Because we all built. are like released. Oh, my gosh. And then that sounds we better. Realize that released. He's like released from this life. Mm, that's Not bad good. we don't like yeah. that but buckle the fuck up because shit's about to get real fucking <laughs> amazing this part's amazing so Gemma once I once I have grieved Tom and I've let him go Tom is you by the way <laughs> this is how you end up with too much of that empathy burnout Kate you're like <laughs> Tom is you and you are dead <laughs> I'm like um no <laughs> Listen, now you know what it's like to be me and watching any horror movie. Yeah, it's exhausting. But like to me, you're Tom. You've just died. I'm getting mocked for weeping (laughs) over your body. You're getting thrown into a hole that you've been digging this whole time that has been dividing us. Yeah. So I'm upset upset. at this point. This is the best part. Mm -hmm. Kate's upset. Kate decides to wait. In the car, slash, I guess she's locked out still. So she sleeps in her car, and then the next day, she, like, sneaks up on the boy and, like, attacks him with a pickaxe. And he immediately freaks out, turns around, hisses at her, gets on all fours, crab walks away, crab runs away, and then lifts the sidewalk like a rug and climbs lifts it up under the sidewalk what excuse like, me that was an we're option all shitting our pants this whole t- what the fuck just <gasps> happened you're like oh okay so this isn't just like i'm like lost in some other dimension this i am fully not in control yeah i am a pawn this is a full matrix something moment much bigger this is an absolute red pill yeah. moment like when in our in our alien son, after shoving dad into the hole, <laughs> has crawled under the cement, he's like hissing at her, like running on all fours, like so good. He doesn't do. He doesn't act like that for the entire like year that he's no, been yeah. with them, which is like sixteen years. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
definitely not. It's it's definitely the point in the movie where, like, I went from liking this movie to like loving this movie. I was like, I was like, it's yeah. about to get real fucking supernatural. Yeah, this is this is where you like both hands grip your chair. Yeah, like open mouth. Life, you're like, what's gonna happen? Yes, a lot, a lot happens. Spoiler alert. So like, are you ready? Gemma runs after this boy. And is able to use this pickaxe that she's carrying to prop open this door slash portal thing under the sidewalk. Thank God that works. So then she falls into this multi-dimensional labyrinth in which the laws of gravity don't apply and like the space-time continuum is like not a thing. Yeah, we're just like... Don't worry about it. Breezing through multiple timelines, <laughs> multiple dimensions. Ariana is having a great I'm having time. A fucking great time. I'm my jaws on Kate the floor. Kate is upset. Kate is concerned. <laughs> I'm upset. I don't love it, and I'm still grieving my dead wife. There's too much, Ariana. <laughs> There's multiple other houses with different color schemes. I love a color moment. Yeah, color schemes, and there's different like little boys and like all these other couples that are like going through the same shit she is going through like they're crying they're clearly not there on their own accord yeah. they're having a bad they're, like, time crying at the kitchen table and she like can she can make eye contact with them and like they see her and she sees them but then she's like sucked she's into the sucked next away. yeah timeline she likes because she doesn't belong in that timeline sees people that have committed suicide yeah in her position and yeah. it's like, holy fuck, this is incredible. Crazy. It's like, that is a choice. You know what I mean? Like, you think yeah. not to be sad about it and not to be real, because this is a very fake yeah. movie. But, like, what else do you do? I don't, what, yeah. yeah. Like, if you don't have, if you, if you didn't have a gardener husband that packed all his tools right. with him. Right. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I don't think these aliens took into account, like, people's mental health (laughs) like obviously I think I think they aren't thinking about that they're just thinking about a couple of things which we'll get to they have goals goals. but she gets yeeted back into her own dimension in her own house I saw an an explanation of that which I really liked which was it likened her getting torn because she's having this trippy like Alice in Wonderland falling through these different dimensions and seeing these different people who are going through what she's going through. But she gets, like you said, yeeted back to House 9. And I saw it explained really well um, in an interview that was like, she's like a splinter Mm. in a body that isn't hers because she is not supposed to be where she right. is. Like she forced her way underneath that asphalt, underneath that sidewalk. She's obviously not supposed to make it there. And that dimension is like, you don't belong here. Yeah. This isn't yours. And it, it pushes her out like a body pushes out at like a splinter or for an Ooh, object. That's cool. It is cool. Wow. Yeah. So we like this. We movie, do. I don't like know if it. you guys uh, knew that, but um, yeah, we like this movie. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned mentioned it before enough, but (laughs) so she's like weak and dying now. Like who knows if she's like, she is dying from being yeeted or if she's like, yeah, because she hasn't eaten because like, I'm presuming they just like stopped feeding her when they locked her out. 
So she's like Well, and starving. also like the husband died very, very quickly from lung cancer. Like very quickly. Yeah. We we assume from lung cancer. So it's like, are they are their diseases accelerating? Like, are they oh. aging faster in this dimension, wherever they are? Oh. Like, something is affecting their aging and their illnesses. They look normal is the thing. Like, if they had gradually, like, been getting, like, older skin, then you would be like, oh, of course, this dimension is aging them. But they don't. They look the yeah. same. But their their internal shit is not the same. Mm. Like how quickly dad gets Tom gets lung cancer. I wonder if it has to do with. So when I first watched this, I just automatically assumed it was basically him inhaling the the like alien dust and that being like abnormal for his lung system. Oh, okay. And also like I think a big part of it is like this environment is not meant for people like it's created by aliens that's what i yeah. think and so like they don't have vitamin yes. d from the sun because the sun's not fucking real they don't probably it's have fake like perfect amounts of oxygen because all the plants are fake you know they they are not meant to they're be in there. high they're volumes not built of stress. to be there yeah so it's just it feels like it's just not an environment that's conducive to well-being for humans the inverse is also true yeah, I think that the aliens have an idea of like what people want slash need and it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. fully fleshed out because aliens can't know these things about people, um, obviously, and that's why they have to learn these things from a mother and father that are humans. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, they cur- they curiously watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think that they just can make an environment that people are going to do okay in for a amount of time it takes to raise a baby boy (laughs) and then they die for example but anyway so this boy she gets pushed out like a splinter she's yeeted to her own house so the boy carries her dying body to her own body bag and explains that mothers die after raising their sons what a fucking horrible thought horrible the release and that's all they had to look forward to it said raise the child and you will be mm-hmm. released and that's not what they meant and you figure that out and whenever like, he's uh, like maybe daddy needs to be released yep. but you're still hoping for mom well that's a no and so she tells him one final time that she's not his mother which i love i'm not your she's mom like, not your yeah the whole mother. time she's like i'm not your fucking yeah. mother and then he like don't call me looks mommy. Looks at her and goes, whatever, which is something she did earlier, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And then he. He's just mimic. He's mimicking yeah. her the uh-huh. whole time. And then he zips the body bag closed and dumps her into the hole with Tom's body. My jaw. So then we see this boy man person, alien humanoid thing, fill <laughs> yeah. the car that's there up with gas. He has gas. He fills it up with gas. Oh, he had it the whole time, of course. And just like casually drives this car back to the real estate office. And then he walks in and he sees the old slash dying Martin guy. Yeah. Martin, who was like 45. At the beginning of the movie. Like eight months ago. He's like 80s now dying. He's ancient and dying. Taking agonal breaths. And the boy... Like, as he takes his final breath, steals his name tag, puts it on himself, and then rolls up the old Martin into a body bag, and then puts old Martin's body into a filing cabinet. And you can hear it. It's like a shoot, because you can hear the body, like, 
tumble down. It's like, okay, so like, what the fuck? And then... What the fuck? Yeah. And then a couple walks into the door and this guy greets them like the old Martin did. And that's the end. He's Martin now. The freaking end. And and then Kate puts her head between her knees. Kate's been through a lot, guys. She took three deep breaths. <laughs> she has mourned the metaphorical loss of Kate's Ariana. Kate's still on that, guys. Keep in mind, She's we've been upset. through a lot since then. We've been through a lot, but Kate's, I watched my bride Kate's die. Kate's most upset about Tom dying. <laughs> I did not, because it left mom alone. Completely alone yeah. to figure this out. And then even then, she figures shit out, yep. but dies. Yep. Like, it's still, it's like not successful anyway. It's like you didn't have a fighting chance the whole, the time. whole time. You're right. The whole right. time. And that is claustrophobic and upsetting yeah. and, amazing and amazing and horrifying. And that's why this is a movie. So good. And that's why that's why we've been dying yep. to talk yeah. about it. Because the effects. Yes. Well, we need to know about this bird metaphor. I want to know some bird science. Ooh. I'm here with the bird science of it all. Tell me. Did I hear bird <laughs> tell science? Tell me everything. <laughs> a bird call? I heard a bird call. Interesting. And um, I studied a lot of evolutionary biology in college. And so I know a bit about brood parasites. Brood parasites. That is a very important allegory in this film. Like, And they hand it to you in the first five minutes. Not even. Five seconds. Opening credits. But you don't know what's going on. This is some creepy bird imagery. Okay. I love a good allegory. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Ariana, let's recap. Recap. Explain like the first sentence of the movie with the bird. Okay. Okay. So we have the opening credits. We have a video footage of these fledglings pushing other fledglings out of a nest to their death. Mm-hmm. And then we have those fledglings growing into adult birds while other adult birds continue to feed them worms. And those are not their babies. So brood parasitism, it is a super fucking creepy but very clever evolutionary strategy. It's so smart. It's very specific to like a handful of avian species, not just cuckoos. So cuckoos are kind of like the poster child for brood parasitism, and they're mentioned directly yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Ducks, a couple species of ducks do it, and also a few insect species. I was going to say insects, I feel like, do this too. Not, but not many. Not, not as okay. many as you think. It's pretty rare. Okay. There's a type of, there's a species of bee called the cuckoo bee, but most famously the cuckoo bird is known for its brood parasitism as an evolutionary strategy. So these cuckoo birds, they find a host nest that's a different species. They plop their own eggs in for the host to incubate and then they leave. And so sometimes the host will not recognize those eggs as not theirs. Sometimes they will recognize those eggs as foreign and they'll kick them out of the nest. Good. <laughs> it's harder than you'd yeah. think. Ariana, most of the time, 
they they the get in host species rears the parasite species nice. and there's a lot of theories as to why that happens so a brood parasite is like this very clever evolutionary strategy but what's interesting is we don't think that brood parasitism came from the birds we think that the type of eggs that they made created brood parasitism oh, wait what does that mean explain it the goal of evolution the goal of a species to survive is right for the species to survive so reproductive success is how a species wins over time so reproductive success is an individual how they can produce offspring per breeding event or lifetime that's what reproductive success is it's like hey I'm taking my genetic material and I am passing it on to the next lifetime. I'm making it last. That's what reproductive success is. So this is not limited to like the number of offspring per bird or per individual. It has to do with how reproductively successful the offspring are. So the whole point of a species is to survive. Then it's for your children to survive. Yeah. Right? And for you as a parent to spend less resources rearing your children as possible in income versus outcome so like the european cuckoo bird what they do is they go to a dip to a host bird typically magpies are popular um and they deposit their eggs in their nest and then they allow the host bird to raise their young Mm -hmm. and then They're off gallivanting, making more babies. Mm, mm -hmm. So it's a huge success evolutionarily for that species Mm -hmm. because the the cost is so low. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the parasitic species is the alien that's like, hello, this is your baby. Figure it out. We're not paying all the taxes on raising it. That's your problem now. We're off breeding other shit. Yeah. So that's brood parasitism. So uh, so like, let's say pro cuckoo for brood parasitism. It's a huge survival win. So for the cuckoo, it's very low parental investment, less time taking care of the young, less time rearing the young, more time breeding other females, and overall just improving the survival of their species and their DNA. Mm -hmm. It's also anti-host because the host, if you think of like a bird that has a yeah, it costs them time and effort and energy and things that they can't use for their own DNA. Yes. So like it's less resources for their own babies. It's and that's even if they correctly identify and eject the intruder egg, which they don't always do. And that's still an unrecoverable cost. So like how do how does this happen? How do they do it? So most avian brood parasites like the cuckoo they have longer internal incubation periods. So like they're developing a lot more internally and therefore they have very short egg incubation periods. So like they drop an egg and it's ready to hatch. It's less time to get detected. And also it'll hatch and push the other eggs out. Ding, ding. So the longer internal incubation is thanks to like a heavier yolk so the yolk is like the new the nutrition of the egg so that typically also means that the eggs are bigger Mm. and so most of the time brood parasite chicks they tend to be bigger 
Also, because they're bigger eggs, they have thicker shells. So that's harder for them to break. So there's two hypotheses that I thought were really interesting. There's the puncture resistant hypothesis, which is like eggs are thicker. So it's even if you do, even if like the host does recognize like you're not my baby, it's harder for them to like puncture them and kill the egg. Oh, or move it out of the nest. So moving it out of the nest is hard. So you have to have the beak capacity to like. Right. And if it's super big, yeah. Not going to happen. And they're big eggs. Exactly. So your best bet in many species, like the warbler, is to puncture it. So there's a whole study that shows that marsh warblers, if you put a foreign egg in, they'll, they'll attempt to break cuckoo eggs, but... They'll accidentally break their own eggs. That's right. Man, these hosts are stupid. The the parasites are smart. The hosts are stupid because like my thing is like, you know, there's so many examples of these symbiotic relationships and like species that have co-evolved with each other and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. the fuck is this host species not evolved faster, better, at least the same speed as these parasite species and it's incredible that they haven't evolved to fix this yet i have some explanations okay perfect or hypotheses but before we get there so there's like the puncture resistant hypothesis but there's also a second hypothesis laying damage hypothesis the the parasite species let's call it a cuckoo their egg is bigger so it damages the host's egg whenever they're dropped dropping bombs i think this is interesting there are non-parasitic cuckoos and other birds that also have longer incubation periods, meaning they're keeping the eggs internal longer, but not using that as like an, adv- an evolutionary advantage to smash up the host egg. So that suggests that the long internal incubation period in these birds is not an evolutionary adaptation for brood parasites, but it just predisposes the birds to figure it out and become brood parasites. Ah. So here's the thing. So like like you said, you're like, just kick out the bad egg, right? You're like, that ain't my egg. It's huge. Yeah. So why don't they all do that? So sometimes the host can recognize and eject the parasitic egg. First of all, by that point, the damage has already been done. The resources have already been spent. And that also requires the host to be able to distinguish, hey, that's not my baby, And that requires them identifying patterns and differences and changes in the number of eggs. And that's kind of hard for them to do. So there's a lot of ongoing research onto why host birds are allowing these brood parasites like cuckoos to drop their nasty little invader eggs into their nests because they allow it in most cases and they raise them in most cases, which is why it's so similar to this movie. Yeah, it's very weird. And potentially, yeah, and potentially they know what they're doing. They know that's not their kid. Um, Some host species of birds have these strong rejection defenses. So they can see a parasite, recognize a parasite, eject it. And if they have strong enough beak strength, they'll literally like pick it up and like yeet it out of the nest or they'll just puncture it. But what that has caused is for the parasitic species like the cuckoo to evolve really good mimicry of the species that they're trying to be. Ah. And that's what's so freaky. That's what makes me think of this movie is whenever like they copy the mom, they copy Gemma. So for me watching this movie and understanding brood parasitism, 
I'm like, oh, they're mimicking the human species and they're learning from the human species for a purpose. They are, yeah. I think the only difference is like the parasite babies are mimicking host babies, whereas this parasite baby is mimicking the host parents. And I think that they're attempting to replicate humans mm. for a different reason than to continue to. But at the same time, these birds are just like, I'm just a little baby. You have to feed me worms. I'm just a little baby. And keep in mind, the majority, Ariana, the majority, the vast majority of hosts will raise the nestlings of the brood parasite. Right. I guess the question is, you know, obviously they haven't evolved these defenses because the opportunity cost of the defenses weigh more than just letting it be there and letting them feed it and it's like well (laughs) right that's a good hypothesis and that study there's a hypothesis that's called the mafia hypothesis Ooh, and this makes me think of the movie because in the movie there's clearly like a comply or else yeah so the mafia hypothesis in birds with brood parasitism is essentially it proposes that when a brood parasite species discovers that its egg has been rejected by the host, they will destroy the host's nest or they'll kill the babies in the host's oh, nest. Oh, shit. And so the thought is, like, maybe this threat will encourage compliant behavior from the host bird. How could they possibly have that happen enough times within a bird's lifetime for that to be a learned behavior? They repeatedly visit the parasitized nest. Yeah, but how would they know? How would they know that's going to happen? Like, let's say it happens once. Okay, next season the bird has another clutch of eggs. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. a learned behavior enough for them to create this scenario where they're like, well, if I do that, this is going to happen again. You know what? Yeah. You know how that works is I just figured it out. So it's like the birds that are more likely to have any kind of evolutionary need to sabotage this or the parasite's Mm -hmm. baby when their babies die they don't have that passed down so they don't have that like want to kill this other parasites so basically they're the mafia thing is like we're breeding submissiveness into the host bird the host Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's a very strong hypothesis, and that's been observed. That's been observed multiple times in multiple species. Isn't that fascinating? It is cool, but like in the movie, they're killing the parents, not the parents' babies. So it's not really like evolution. I don't think so. I don't think they really care about the parent. They meaning who are you talking about when you say they? So the alien species needs someone to raise their young so that they can use their resources elsewhere. And they do that with the threat of or the promise of being released. Right. I guess my point is, is that like this mafia theory doesn't really work, right? Because it's like they are monitoring it, but they're not killing the babies of Tom and Gemma. If it goes wrong, they just killed Tom and Gemma. That's true. I feel like I knew all of that at some point in my life and I just forgot all about it, but that's pretty cool. Aliens have an upper hand. Right. Oh, definitely. Very cool. They're not using it for their own benefit evolutionarily. They're, well, they kind of are, but reproducing in other ways potentially and using their resources to do that instead of raising their offspring. Sure. I think there's a strong argument for 
evolution metaphor in this movie. Well, let me ask you this, Kate. What if this part of it was just a very isolated part of it? Like, what if this was like the new Martin being raised by humans? What if that was like a very Mm -hmm. isolated part of things because there's a bigger picture and they're only being raised by humans so that this new Martin can appeal to humans to get more humans to come? I guess my question would be, what is the goal? What is, I guess then, what is the point of the the aliens learning human characteristics, right? That's evolutionary advantage. In what way? And imagine a Martin that's not creepy, that can get, that can act more human. Yeah. Getting more people back into the greenhouse. Well, see, then you just answered your own question because that's, you just said, what's the advantage? Getting more people back. That's the advantage. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I and, and I think it's shown in the movie, like, multiple times they'll like directly mimic what the human person is saying. I think they're learning from humans. I think they're learning evolutionarily how to adapt. Um, but for their own benefit. It's not like to be cool, it's not to be in, not to be pretend to be a human. It's to assimilate and it's to um get more people in their scheme. Because the more people they can get involved in their brood parasitism, the more successful their species will be evolutionarily. I agree. I think it's I think it's one of two things. I either think that this is very, very new and they don't have enough people to sustain them yet. And so like part of it is training these mm-hmm. new babies to be more like human to attract more humans. Or Correct. that it's part of an even bigger scheme and literally just this small scheme right here is basically training new Martins. So I think Martin is a component. So clearly in this story, we have a baby that is becoming a Martin and that Martin, he takes the name tag, puts it on and that Martin is there to get more humans involved to farm more babies for their alien species. I think that, in my mind, that is one role of a much grander plan. So the grander plan would or would not involve the new babies developing characteristics from their parents. Because that's the difference, right? It's like, Hmm. if you're not trying to create new Martins, what's the benefit of these new alien babies mimicking and becoming more of like a blended in type of humanoid I think that it's definitely possible there's a bigger picture although I know the director for a fact said that there's not <laughs> because yeah but like, but like yeah you know? yeah like I mean it's however we want to interpret it right but like I think that this specific scheme where they're raising a new person yeah. is directly related to the Martin side of things because like otherwise what's the evolutionary benefit of him learning and mimicking from his parents unless it's like yes. a world domination uh, thing yeah I guess but even then it's I like don't, I don't think it's that grand I think it's just as simple as so like me as like someone who studied biology so like what I'm thinking that sounds so annoying but like literally as like someone who's looking at it from a biologist's perspective I am thinking how does this species survive because that's the entire point of evolution. That's the entire point of a species is survivability. 
I don't think that they are trying to take over the world. I don't think they're, I don't think they have a grand goal. I think their goal is survivability. And that's why Martin is so important. So I think that the son, quote, in this movie becomes a Martin, but I don't think that they all become That's Martins. my point like, too. You yeah. Know, when she- I agree. I think that yeah. this specific role is created yeah. to make new Martins. And I think the yes. new Martins and I think as a story, can do other things it's very helpful. for everyone else. I think that Martin is the person who gets a, a new nest for their brood. That's what I think. They're like, I'm going to put my, I'm going to drop my eggs in your nest and there's nothing you can do about it. But I'm sure there are quote unquote Martins or alien people, children, in all the different dimensions that Imogen Poot sees. I don't think they're all going to be working at that uh, like real estate agency. I think that there is something bigger going on. What if they were past Martins or future Martins? What if she's time traveling? I think that there's, I guess, but there has to be more. I know, but I think this specific scenario that has been created where literally the entire role of this child is to learn how to be human. Mm -hmm. Like that's literally his goal. Like he's sitting there watching them chew. He's watching, he's mimicking everything they do. Like I think this specific scenario is created for Martin creation. I think that any other big plan is independent of this plan. And I think when she falls into the other dimensions, she might be seeing either past Martins or future Martins. But I feel like this specific scenario where there's a kid and two parents and he's watching them and mimicking them and learning how they are is like a Martin creation system. And the question is, why do we need Martins? To keep the species going. Yeah, but they don't touch on anything more than that, right? Well, they they hint at it with the cuckoo metaphor. Right. But that's the thing, too, is like the cuckoo metaphor also doesn't. I hear you. I hear you. You're like, is that their only goal? And I don't don't think think it it is either. But I guess my point is, is that the cuckoo metaphor doesn't even go as far as we think it does, because it's not. It's it's just basically as superficial as having another species parents raise your offspring and that's it it's yeah it's resources yeah yes. but at this point why is the baby learning to be adult to be like the adults I guess that's where it ends for me because the cuckoo mm-hmm. is not the baby cuckoo is not imitating warbler parents right so I feel like it's only as superficial yeah. as like the people raising another species baby I think maybe at this point in time in the movie, yes. Yeah. But as we know, parasites adapt and they learn. Like think about like a like a virus, right? That can adapt and learn and overcome and figure out, oh, this is how I need to be created. This is how I need to be formed to be successful in overcoming this species. I think that... There is in this movie, there is an alien species that is dipping its toes in the water. But ultimately, I think there's going to be a lot more than Martins in our future. Yeah, I agree. In this, but they have not in any way not yet, not yet. 
Right. No, I think it's early days, right? Because right? Martin is so fragile. Like within eight months or whatever, he's Martin is as we knew him when he showed us the house is gone. He's like dead. He's getting wrapped up in a body bag. So I think it's kind of just treading water as an alien species, treading water and creating quote unquote Martins to keep this going, to keep the inflow of humans going, to keep these um, hosts that are going to take care of our brood parasites going until we find some other advantage for us. And honestly, to be to be completely honest, like evolutionarily, that might be all that it is, is just survivability. It's just a technique to survive as a species because as a species, our entire goal is reproductive success. So that might be their whole goal or they might just like keep existing or there might be something more insidious, which I think is more fun. It's just hard because I feel like it doesn't, like if we took out the entire cuckoo metaphor like if that was not at the beginning at all for me it would stop at the idea of like martin's creating more martins because there's no other implication that they're doing this in any other way for any other reason like other than to train little aliens to be more like people and like what is the benefit of that Uh uh-huh so for Mm -hmm. me it just kind of stops there and the cuckoo metaphor is almost leading us in a wrong direction in regards to like what the underlying thing is or it's like adding a layer that there's no other evidence for the rest of the movie right now i think it's early i think it's early for the species but yeah i mean they have a tool Mm -hmm. where they can trap people and have them raise their babies but for me it just feels like they tried to turn it into like this big thing where it doesn't fully get fleshed out at any point like i feel like Mm -hmm. I feel like the ending made it more specific to just their scenario, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they wanted it to go any further. And the fact that Mm -hmm. it's called... And the director has said that. Yeah. And also, like, we have to realize the name of the movie is Vivarium, which has absolutely no implication in regards to, like, we're having people raise our babies like vivarium is like there is a scenario and we're using it to like watch what unfolds naturally mm-hmm. a predestined environment and we're watching it you know yeah yeah it could be something like the aliens want to have aliens on earth that are watching people and learning about them and they want them to learn to be as human like as possible and so they put them in these scenarios where they're learning how to be very Mm -hmm. close to humans and it doesn't even have anything at all to do with like evolution or them conserving resources by having someone else raise their offspring like it could be as simple as like this is a training scenario to create aliens to be more similar to people and that's it Because they're using that as a tool instead of the offspring being raised by people to conserve resources. A hundred percent. A hundred percent that is possible. Well, I think I think it's so that's the fun in it is we don't know. It ends when the movie ends. Yeah. So you can kind of take it whatever way you want. I like the way you take it for sure. I think it's just kind of like 
my imaginoscope. So in my, my imaginoscope is that this is like a virus and it's adapting and it's assimilating and it's learning. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot that they can do with the tool that they've created. Like, you know, they can create this scenario where people are raising aliens or they can use it to create aliens that are humanoid. That's the fun part. Yeah. They're, they're watching, they're paying attention, they're utilizing, they are being super parasitic. They're letting us take care of their young um, and not to our purpose, to their purpose. Yeah. And that's really scary and claustrophobic and creepy and insidious and why I love this movie so much. Definitely a hidden gem for sure. But I have a few things I want to talk about. Hit me, girl. All right. Reasons I love this movie. Slash how to survive vivarium. She said, take that kid. <laughs> Punt him. Fucking yeet him. Pun him into the fake clouds. Into the cloud shapes clouds. No. So <laughs> this movie's great because we have smart protagonists. And there's very few things they, they don't try yeah. in order to, to escape. We have a ladder to get to the roof. We follow the sun. We uh-huh. light the house on fire. We write SOS on the roof. We dig a hole to nowhere. Yeah. We try to find the box guy. We try to follow the kid. They don't give up. So here's what I think we should have done. Number one, mm-hmm. work together. Take shifts in watching for the box guy. I feel like she was like, I was standing here the whole time and I didn't see anyone. But she like wasn't looking yeah, you're both asleep. at the street. Like she's like, I didn't I see agree. anyone. It's like we would be like, this is your eight hours. This is my yeah, eight hours. Exactly. But here. But honestly, though, Ariana, I think we just wouldn't have gotten a box. <laughs> what do you mean? That's the thing. Oh, like you stare at them for that I, long. They don't bring the box. Yeah, they just, yeah, they're not stupid. Right. They're, you, again, we are the host. They are the parasite. They're like, bitch, I owe you nothing. Mm. I'm not giving you anything. That's true, except the baby dies then. Would you rather your baby die or would you rather them maybe see you who you are and you still get away, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't think they're benevolent creators. I think they're evil. But like, yeah, we're all going to suffer. That's the Yeah, point. except That's if it's your theory you. about resources, then it doesn't outweigh their loss of offspring to not show who they are. Like, okay, these people are stuck in this alternate universe. What are they going to do? You know, okay, you see the alien for who they are. Like, okay. Clearly, there's a lot of plan Bs. There's not a ton of pressure on them to make this encounter with Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg successful. Like, hope it works, but we have other ones. So they're like, okay, we need someone dumb and we need someone submissive. We can't let them figure out how to do it. And if they do, then the baby dies. They goofed because they have not figured out how children are supposed to speak. And um, that ain't a human. So, so my thing is like, you either need to, you have one of two choices. You either need to threaten and or kill the baby or Mm -hmm. befriend the shit out of the baby. I don't know that that's possible. It is possible because do you know how easy it is to fucking brainwash little kids that don't know anything? It's not a kid, though. But it's little and it depends on you and it doesn't know anything. Except how would it know anything else if the TV didn't work? 
It wouldn't know anything else. It is else. escaping in the night to talk to an otherworldly creature. I don't think that we have the upper hand here. I think that that kid is going to do whatever the outside influence influences it to no do. No way. No way. Kids are so yes easy to brainwash. Baby ducks imprint on alligators. They're dumb. That's not a duck. All I'm saying is if you cut it off somehow from its. Mm-hmm. How? How? Don't let it watch TV. Don't it let it read. It sneaks away in the middle of the night. Okay. Don't let it watch TV or read. It's going to rebel. How would it rebel? It's like an infant. So now's a good time to mention that Ariana and I do not have children of our own. <laughs> So don't accept any parenting advice from us. It's a full infant, you guys. Parents laughing in the distance. So right now I'm watching a documentary about this guy who brought up like he was like a Mormon, ex-Mormon, and he had like millions of children. He brought up all of his children, convincing them that he is like the new Messiah and the prophet and that they should kill for him. And so he would just like name people. And these kids would just go murder these people. Oh and my they God. called them blood atoned. They were like, I'm going to go blood atone this person. It's like they're just going to go like randomly Ew. murder this guy's like enemies because they're like brainwashed because they were like brought up as children mm-hmm. to like learn that this guy, like their dad is like right, the king right. and like the Messiah God. and all this crap. <laughs> yeah. And it's just crazy. It's like, okay, yeah. Like they didn't even try, you know, they didn't even try to be like, hey, like if you're mm. really nice to the kid, you'd be like, hey, like, I am your mother. These people are trying to convince you otherwise, but I'm your mother. Here's the problem. This quote-unquote kid has external influences, like very heavy ones. Yeah, but you know what's more heavy is living with someone who you think is your parent. They kind of try. They moderately try. Imogen Poots moderately tries to be kind to this kid as best as she can. After he's like a grown-ass man... I think it would be easy. I think that you're underestimating it. I would fucking try. Don't get me wrong. I would be like, you're a good little boy. You love mommy and mommy. I think you try to convince it that you're its real mom. I would. I really would. I would try And that anything else it hears is false. And I think if that fails, then you starve the kid. (laughs) Okay. Then you give up and you're like, all "All right, right, plan B. But at that point, you're attached to it. No, you're not. Kind no, of... you're not, Kate. Mm, it's an alien. I am. Kate, I'm attached to you, it. it. You can't have it both ways. You can't say it's an alien so it doesn't follow people rules and then be attached to it. You just told me I'm trying to like separate it from the outside world and bond it to myself. So I'm going to bond myself to no. it. Like that's how it works. Bond it to you, not vice versa. It doesn't. I mean, it's, it goes both ways. No, it doesn't doesn't have to that's my baby now doesn't have to i'm like you're my child listen i am in a green nothing scape and i have this child with gills that scares the shit out of me and watches static on tv i'm gonna do my best to make that my son i really am rookie mistake that's why you die <laughs> of course it's a rookie mistake but like what else am I- what you gonna die of lung cancer in the hole that you built have fun I'm trying to I'm trying to brainwash him. How are you going to bond it? I'm going to brainwash him. Ariana, I think you overestimate your ability. <laughs> I think you underestimate how gullible children are. God, I hope so because <laughs> you and me, we're Tom and Gemma right now. <laughs> I hope to God you can convince the frog child. It's a child. 
to not kill us, to not put us in a body bag. Easily convince him. They, he has a whole other dimension explaining to him the rules. It's not real. Just tell him it's not real. We have no control. Tell him all that's fake. It is This is real. real. All that's fake. That's going to be harder than you think it is. Kids are dumb. All right. So now we're going to move on to a segment called. Oh, my God. (laughs) Nitpicky questions. Yeah. To be clear, this is a great movie. Go watch it on Netflix. But let's nitpick. Why does this little alien kid that was raised by an English woman and an American father have an English accent? Yep. Yep. Confused. yep, 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 yep. Um, Why is this bitch having sex in a dystopian place? What happens if you get pregnant? Are you using protection? Do the aliens provide birth control? Maybe she's so stressed that they don't implant. Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) I mean, it's a realistic option. Which brings me to my next question. Do the aliens bring Mm -hmm. Tom his cigarettes? Do they understand addiction? Or are they hoping he'll get lung cancer and die? Or is he just parceling out his six cigarettes that he has left? Over multiple months. So my headcanon is that in the box with the like eggs and shit that they bring them, they also bring cigarettes for Tom. So they're giving him his cigarettes. Because they know. Yeah, they're giving him his cigarettes. And clearly in this universe, because Gemma also dies very young, something is advancing quickly so it's like like i said like a splinter in your hand that your body's pushing out i think that they are not in the right dimension and they're getting pushed out which is why they die so quickly and so young so i think that the aliens what have you are sending tom his cigarettes willingly because it benefits so they're hoping he'll die early they're understanding that he will die because of the acceleration process in this dimension. Because clearly this fucking green suburban bullshit is not on Earth. It's in a different dimension. Yeah. Not on Earth. It's They're in the Matrix. Yeah. None of it's real. Yeah, we're in the Matrix. All right. So where are the little alien girl babies? Or are the aliens smart enough to choose that their offspring are male? Do they understand that they're creating these humanoid things to blend in in a patriarchal society so they want them to all be male (laughs) why aren't there girls well to be fair we see like a pizza pie segment of this universe so maybe there are girls i don't know but they literally say like mothers raise their sons and then they die ew ew they do they do they do and then when she goes into other universes she sees two males no female babies can they only have male babies these are questions i have Is it because they're like, okay, if we, you know, like push a man into modern, modern, normal society, he will have more influence because we live in a patriarchal society. That's what I just said, Kate. No, that's totally it. It's like because they're like creating these humanoid things for our society to blend in because that's what I still believe. That's disappointing. (laughs) They're choosing men. They're choosing white men. Let's be real. They're choosing white men. Where are the ethnic babies? I have so many questions. Also, fucking Martins everywhere. Let's talk about the fact where the fuck are the gay couples and the single parents? These aliens are heteronormative as fuck and it's pissing me off. <laughs> where are the gay babies? Where, no, where are the gay parents? Not the gay babies. Both. Um, both. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Okay. So now we have to talk about metaphors and symbols because why the fuck else am I here? Obviously. Ariana is here for a reason. The question is, why aren't there gay couples or single parents or any other type of non-traditional family union? So this is a commentary about traditional gender roles. Mm. Like that is the role of this movie. We know this movie is a commentary about the toxicity of men and women being forced into traditional gender roles. Yes. Okay. Sure. And there's a quote from Jesse Eisenberg right here. It's coming at you. Who cares? (laughs) You don't care? No. Like, why would I? All right. Whatever. Let's listen to what Jesse has to say. (laughs) You don't care about Jesse Eisenberg's comment on this movie? Not a ton, if I'm being honest. Really? You're not, not worried about his interpretation of his movie that he's in? I'm interested. I'm curious. Okay. All right. So, quote, it seemed like the fever dream that you'd have the night before you got married or had a baby or bought a house. It's like the unconscious fears Ew. we all have about making commitments in our lives. Even if it's a commitment that you've chosen, the partner you chose or the house you wanted to buy or live in. It's just one closer step to your own mortality. No. Well, isn't that uplifting? That sucks. Just as, It sucks as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> That's just like a boring interpretation. You don't like that interpretation? No, it's just kind of lazy to me. I mean, yeah, it's obvious, right? It's very obvious. Boring. That's boring to me. I think that there's more evidence for that being the main goal of this movie than the brood parasitism. Oh, that's- so depressing no but like the whole intro it's about brood parasitism it's a it's, I it's think like, that symbolism didn't go as deep as people thought it did because there's no other evidence in the movie yeah it feels like a parasite in a host nest to me for me it doesn't go anywhere past the idea of creating aliens that act like humans so this movie had a lot of mixed reviews and The negative comments about this movie really involve the fact that the main couple did not have chemistry. Sure. They did not. Because Jesse Eisenberg was miscast. Yep. It's him. He's at fault. So I don't think he has, honestly, I don't think he has chemistry with anyone else besides maybe Emma Stone in Zombieland. But their Mm, chemistry is like the awkward boy likes the hot girl, which is probably easy for him to do. Um, I can think of like three lead actors that would be so yeah. much better. For example, I just watched Saltburn and Barry Keoghan, again, my boyfriend. I'll tell you guys. I'm obsessed with him. He would crush yeah. this role. And Jesse Eisenberg did not. I did agree. not. No. I agree. Disappointing. I agree. I do feel like they had chemistry maybe initially like like when they're at the right like right at the beginning but then like immediately I'm wondering if this was maybe I I feel like it's not but if this is meant to be somewhat intentional I don't know maybe the comment is that you can have chemistry with someone as a couple but that doesn't translate to the chemistry you need as parents I don't know they are bad parents. I will say that. They don't parent well. Right. Co-parent well. So now we talk about the number nine and what that means to the story. Oh, I don't know, actually. The number nine was chosen because it's a line 
that goes into a never-ending loop. And it's supposed to symbolize the path into and within this alternative space. So, like, this is why they didn't choose, like, an eight, which is, like, an infinity. That's an obvious infinity line. There needs to be, like, an input, right? Because they enter the space and then they're stuck there doing this loop. Okay. 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 All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is what makes Tom sick? Let's talk about it. We already did. Is it cigarettes? Is it lung cancer? Is it inhaling alien dust from digging in a hole for months? I don't think it is. I I, I thought that initially, but I think that it is just like what I said before, which is we are in an alternate reality. Because Imogen Poots also dies. I think she's starving. I don't know. I think that they are a splinter in the body of this alternative world and the body is pushing them out. I don't think they, they I don't think they belong there. I think that they are being rejected. Which comes into pl- which really like, you know, harmonizes with the cuckoo rude parasitism allegory. For me personally. Gotcha. They don't belong there. They are this is not their world. If that's true, then it is from inhaling alien dust. Sure. What you know what? Why not? Why fucking not? But then Imogen Poots also fucking dies. Very young. They don't feed her. Hmm. They don't give her water. They don't feed her. She's stuck outside of a house. They give her eggs. No, when they she's stuck outside the house. Eggs. From the moment the kid's like, we're done here. Because she was normal up until that point. And then once she did that, then she started dying. So the kid is like a teenager and he said, have a nice day. Locks the door behind him. And at that point, she's treated like a like the host species, which is disposable. Yes. And she does not receive sustenance, therefore dies. Like a host species would in a parasite. Imagine she's another egg. But she's not. She's the mom bird. Like, see, that's the problem with the metaphor, right? It's like we're picking and choosing parts of the metaphor. She's the mama bird. No, 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 no. She's the mama bird. She's trying to figure out who's parasite and who's host. And as we have discussed, literally in evolution and in biology, that does not go statistically well for the host. They will hurt themselves they will kill their own young and they will hurt their own reproductive survivability so i think that once the host once the parasite is done with her imagine a cuckoo flewing like flying the nest she has wasted a lot of resources think of it not like a human think of it like a bird she has she's wasted a lot of resources she has kicked her own fledglings out of the nest And all she has is her, which is not much without your young, without your parasitic young. So she's not going to last long. She has no purpose. The kid's like 19 at this point. She has no purpose. Yeah, I just feel like we're grasping at straws with this metaphor. I don't know. Because on one hand, you're like, oh, well, she's a splinter in an abnormal world. And that's why they're dying quicker. And now you're like, oh, well, the metaphor is that she doesn't have a purpose anymore and that's why she's dying. And it's like, 
Por que no los dos? <laughs> because we have Not evidence both. for neither. That's why. <laughs> yes. To me, my headcanon is she does not belong in this universe once her, like, usefulness is used up. And that's kind of it. Like, sh- she's not needed. So, like, no resources will be given to her. She's in a foreign place. She is both the splinter and an unnecessary hen. So my headcanon is that this is actually a metaphor for his abandonment by Gemma. Hmm. Okay. Explain. He's working in the hole. He's basically pissed at her because this turning point where she saves the little boy from the car is basically choosing the little boy over them and their relationship. And at that point is when he starts to get sicker. And so if we're really going to look into metaphors and what's causing things, I think that's a closer metaphor, really. Okay. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that, honestly. Because if we're going off of this idea that, like, we are using this as a scenario of people being forced in traditional gender roles and how that creates toxicity there is this very common thing obviously that happens in men where when a woman has babies she focuses all of her attention on the babies and starts Uh to dissociate from her partner yeah he's not as important yeah hey that's a smart idea I hadn't thought about that (laughs) I was all in like the warbler cuckoo train. Okay, I'm going to give this a solid 8 out of 10 tasteless eggs. Wow. Yeah, 8 out of 10. I think it's a really good sci-fi. I think it's very unique. I don't know where I'm going to put it on the scoreboard because the scoreboard is very long. How about you, (laughs) Ariana? Sending it your way. Well, I really like this movie. I feel like... After flushing it out harder, I do feel like the bird metaphor is more superficial than I initially thought. And so that kind of bummed me out. Fair. Um, and so everything else, though, is perfect except for Jesse Eisenberg. Not. Ooh, bad casting choice. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to give it nine out of ten cloud-shaped clouds. <gasps> Pretty high. All right. So let's just go straight to our scoreboard, Nightlight Horror Movie Club dot com backslash scoreboard um we got a lot of movies on here so let's say okay so number 52 is antichrist <laughs> let's start in the middle i know so this is i know how you feel 16 so you think this is in the middle somewhere number 50 is terrifier 2 number 60 Kate's like, we're putting this in the 50s and 60s. In there. I think it's in there. Yeah. I think it's between 50 I and 60. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Let's see. Autopsy of Jane Doe, Silver Bullet Ritual, Talk to Me, Evil Dead Rise. I feel like for me, this is in like the mid 40s, probably. Like around. Okay. Okay. So like. Like I would probably put this like between. Um. Probably The Lodge and The Witch. So number 44. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Respect. I appreciate that. I like that. I approve. Yeah? 
Yeah, I approve. 44. Fully. 100 percent okay. All right. That's a listen, it sounds bad, but it's actually very good. We watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah. It's in the upper half still. Number 44. Yeah, that's very good. Vivarium. Go watch it. It's on Netflix. I really like it a lot. Um, before we leave, um, Club Bulletin. Well, I want to shout out our newest club secretary. It's Hannah from Washington State. We love her. She's amazing. And she gets to vote on what movies we choose. So if you guys are interested in having a say in what we're choosing, because um, right now it's neck and neck and neck for our next (laughs) one, um, you should check out our Patreon, Nightlight Horror Movie Club. But Hannah, thank you so much for being a secretary. And next movie, let's talk about it. It's between, it's neck and neck and neck, Fresh and Reanimator and Saltburn. Looks like it's probably going to be Saltburn. I'm really excited to watch Saltburn. I've heard a lot about it. Listen, I'm just excited. Yeah. Yeah. Period. I think Saltburn will win. You guys know what already won because this will probably come out around then. So. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know. Yeah. We're in the time capsule. So um, thank you so much for listening. Um, please follow on Instagram, on Facebook. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, that hopefully means that other people like it too. So please help other people find it. Review us, rate us on iTunes. That's where the powers that be decide that we're cool. And we'd really appreciate it. And you'll feel great about yourself. So we'll see you next time for something. Maybe Saltburn, maybe Reanimator. (laughs) Maybe Fresh. See you next time. You guys stay spooky. Stay spooky. Yes,
Ship from Chewy, you get Pet Essentials delivered on repeat. So you have more time for a uh, bigger thanks. Pets aren't just pets, they're more. Get 35% off when you sign up.